probability that one or more team members may be infected by intruder organism. 75%. If intruder organism reaches civilized areas, entire world population infected 27,000 hours from first contact. Welcome back to the Thing Minute Podcast, where we discuss John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror masterpiece, The Thing, one minute at a time. I'm Harper W. Harris from HarperWHarris.com, and joining me again today is... Jenny Law. And if I had to pick my favorite incarnation of The Thing in this movie, I really love The Head Spider. Ah, it's a popular choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I am her husband, Liam Grove. Um, I have just refilled my glass of J&B scotch to get into the character of McCready. And the weirdest thing about J&B is that it's almost clear. It has almost no color tint to it whatsoever. And also the only way to make it palatable at all for human consumption is to mix it with a lot of other things. <laughs> or to just pour it in your personal computer. That's its, that's its other main use. Yes. Only if it's a cheating bitch. <laughs> All right. So today we are talking about minute 24 of the thing, which begins with uh, everybody looking at the steamy corpse of uh, Mr. Doubleface, Melty Steamy. And uh, it continues a minute later to everybody still looking at the melted <laughs> corpse double face. Yeah. <laughs> Wide variation of camera angles in this minute. Yes. So uh, almost no dialogue. I think we only get one line, which is, uh, you know, uh, Blair, I want you to start an autopsy right away. And I think which is the it. strangest line of dialogue in this entire movie. It cracks me the fuck up. <laughs> I want you to start an autopsy on this giant pile of burnt limbs and just assorted body parts. Like, does he think the guy died of lung cancer? <laughs> like, yeah, what is, what is, are they trying to determine cause of death? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it just died of melancholy. <laughs> I don't know, Blair. I think he got hit by a bus. <laughs> Uh, I do. I find I find this minute very rich in character development. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really interesting how they're all around the table. And this has probably been pointed out in an earlier minute, but there are 12 guys in the station. Is mm -hmm. that right? Yeah. So it's it's not at all like 12 angry men, but you do have 12 that, weird and pissed off men. Well, <laughs> 12 about to be eaten by the thing men. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that idea 12. of... I'm sorry, don't interrupt again. 12 men with burnt underwear. <laughs> because they farted fire? No, they burnt clothes. Oh, yeah. Sorry, we're even looking at the nasty thing, and I, I couldn't draw the cord. It's there's, getting late. In the next minute, there's a great <laughs> shot of one of the guys just staring at a big pile of burnt underwear. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But this minute, we actually get a close-up of Wilfred Brimley's ass. So yes. this might be the better minute. That's the Which highlight of the movie. It is. Maybe described as majestic. Well, I think equally majestic is his smell acting in this in this very beginning of the minute where he I mean, obviously, I think they've said that it did actually smell, but he's really going for it. He's he's doing a huffing. He's doing a nose grab. He's doing a face clench. Yeah, he's really going for it. He's really on so. the commentary on yeah. the commentary. Kurt Russell calls this a 12 man <laughs> acting contest. 
um, when they can, you know, they, whoever can act like it smells the worst. And really, bro, bro, um, Brimley is winning. Oh, yeah. by far. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also winning his green suspenders. Green suspenders. I mean, and not just any green. That is like forest military green. Mm-hmm. Never goes yeah. out of style, really. No, no. I don't think they actually manufactured more than that one pair, but never out of style. I think uh, Carpenter said he asked um, Wilford, like in between takes, he said, well, you're really giving it uh, a lot of acting there. What are you thinking about while that's happening? And Brimley goes, oh, I'm on dirty laundry. Is that Which, true? Is that a true story? Yeah, it's on the, oh. it's on the commentary. <laughs> but so I, I always took that to mean he's using the smell of his dirty laundry as a sense memory to act like this thing smells like his dirty laundry. Ah. But the, I also, it could also mean that he was not thinking about the scene at all, that he was actually just thinking about that he had to go home and do his laundry. That's what I, no. that's what I always oh. thought. I'm thinking he was method acting and just huffing his dirty piles of laundry. Like that before, right before good. the shot? Yeah, like he brought them to, the, he brought them to his little he dressing room purposefully area. stained some underwear. Oh, I didn't even think about the underwear. <laughs> brought it to set in a plastic bag and waited until they were about to yell action and took a big huff. It's underneath the corpse. It's underneath the burning corpse. So he's not everyone <laughs> Yeah, that's not steam. That's, that's Wilford Funk sublimating. I mean... <laughs> I think stranger things have happened. But going back to my my very my very important <laughs> smart sounding point. Um so of course not all 12 guys are around the body at this right. point, but it does I feel like the camera work lends itself or it really owes a lot to a movie like 12 Angry Men where you're getting headshots and you're kind of moving around the circle but you're also bouncing back and forth and you're getting all the different reactions to what's in front of them and to what their, you know, what their plan is or what's going to happen next. You know, you can see them thinking about it and also just being disgusted. And I think that's really well done. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think about 12 Angry Men until you brought it up. And I remember uh, Carpenter talking about what a thankless job it is to uh, try and come up with ways to keep the audience involved when it's just 12 guys standing around something talking. Right. Um, to, to try and find coverage on that that will keep people interested without just doing it in a, in a master and a bunch of close-ups, uh, especially in a couple scenes when they're, they find out the, uh, the blood bank has been broken into. Mm-hmm. It's 12 guys in a semicircle standing around a fridge, and it's you know there's three pages of dialogue, so how are you going to cover that? But... Um, so in this in this scene, obviously, what he chooses to do is put the camera on a dolly and go back and forth across a bunch of guys' butts for two, you know a minute and a half, <laughs> which is brilliant. Um, but in Twelve Angry Men, it, that's the entire movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about God. That must have been impossible. Yeah, that's it's true. It's twelve twelve people around a table mm-hmm. talking for an hour and a half. Yeah, apparently John Quite Carpenter's worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think. It's a credit to to Carpenter, but also um, Dean Cundy, the cinematographer. That this is this really is one straight minute with, where nobody speaks on screen, and it is it's super engaging. It's really uh, intense, and Danny, like you said, it really gives you a moment to kind of learn a little bit about these characters. You know, silently you get an idea of kind of their their you get an idea of their personality just based on their reaction to what's going on mm-hmm. in front of them, and um, you know the way that they perceive it and. And just the slow moving camera with the with steam rising off. It's just very, 
it's very gross and very, uh, I don't know, it, it just works really perfectly. Um, and, and, and in lesser hands, this would have been a really dull scene or would have, they would have had to jam it full of these guys questioning each other or arguing about what it actually is instead of them just kind of looking at it in awe and horror. Yeah, it would have been expositions, Exposition City in anyone else's hands. I mean, it would have been, I think, almost unwatchable. <laughs> right. Um, I bet barbecue pitmasters find this scene really salivating. <laughs> What is that like a haunch? Like, is that a meat part? I can't even tell what that yeah. is. There's the Which parts is, that look like they could be. Yeah. <laughs> I just noticed is that one of those copper magnetic health bracelets on Richard Dysart? You know, I, I just, know. I, ju- I think it is because I just found out um, one of our previous guests told me, and I never made this connection, that's why he's called copper. I oh. uh, see. I don't, I don't think I. Knew his name, actually. but the guy with the weird earring—he or the weird piercing—he's not called earring. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But yeah, Doc Copper has copper bracelets and a copper nose ring, so that's yeah. apparently why oh, yeah. he's called Doc Copper. But that's yeah, that's never touched on at all. I never noticed those bracelets until he brought that up. Huh? Huh? Yeah, that's really bringing some backstory. Yeah, that's a really lazy way to flesh out a character is to find one thing they do and then call them that. Well, it's funny because he's named uh, <laughs> Copper in the in the novella, but there's no mention of those bracelets. So I like to think that they're like, all right, Copper. Well, there's got to be a reason why he's named Copper, right? I mean, we can't yeah. just call him Copper. <laughs> <laughs> got to slap some Copper bracelets on him. I mean, nobody will even I mean, understand. An, I think that was an actor decision. I don't think that was. Maybe so. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I think my first my first instinct would be someone's called Copper. They actually maybe were a cop. Yeah, sure. Or they not, just had the last to, name Copper. You know, <laughs> yeah, not to, you know, you know bedeck, bedeck themselves or oneself with actual Copper to <laughs> justify the name. Yeah. Makes you wonder why, uh, why Keith David's character goes by Childs. <laughs> there you go. He has, oh, gross. He has babies stapled to the inside of his clothes. Aww. I'm thinking Poor like babies. a, a uh, Christmas Carol thing where he like you know opens up his parka and there's oh, like yeah. two orphans under there. Little kids just hanging, or it could just be like um you know one of those. He's, he's not an adult. He's just two kids well, standing on their shoulders. Yeah, exactly. He has a trench totem, so there's actually three children. One's wearing a fedora. The other one has the shoes on. So why didn't um uh, uh what's his name Thomas G Waits or whatever it is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, way to differentiate uh, himself from Tom Waits. Yeah, why doesn't Windows have little earrings that look like windows on them? He's got glasses. <laughs> yeah, I think oh, that's, that's where that came from. the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> it's pretty dumb. Yeah, and it sounds like um, uh, most of the other actors thought that was pretty dumb, too. <laughs> they were like, this guy seriously is going to call Because that was his idea to call himself Windows. It's not His name is uh, Sanders in the script. Uh, Isn't that weird? Uh, <laughs> again, it's like... You got to figure out a way to get make all these guys individual characters. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you just pick one trait, and that not is not just their trait; that becomes what they're called. Yeah, it's kind of a shorthand, but it's also a little bit lazy. Yeah, but it works. But I so. mean, it does. I mean, it works. You know, it is one of those devices, one of those choices, and it makes sense. You know, if you're you have only 148 minutes and 34 seconds, that's including the credits to make up the story. And if you can do a shorthand to fork, like to tell what these characters are about, who they are, I mean, you know, 
they yeah. did the same thing in, in the Hobbit movies and it didn't work so well. Like, but I, that's, I mean, those, those hot, those dwarves were fucked up. They did not look the way they were supposed to. They didn't have the color, they didn't have the colored cloaks on. They weren't charming. But they were again, just, it's the, to, to give, to make them not just 12 clones of the same thing. Right. They all gave them one trait. But they're supposed and, to have different colored cloaks, like right. in groups, and they're supposed to be charming. And these guys were just like, Discuss, some of them were kind of like disgusting hair sculptures. <laughs> they absolutely that were. moved around, that and true. there was nothing to distinguish them. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And that's a whole other. Yeah, among the myriad of problems with the Hobbit movies, yeah. that's that's not even near the top yeah. of my list. <laughs> yeah. Getting back to the uh, Mount Rushmore of beige asses in this uh, minute. <laughs> Who's Bandolero ass is that? That would yeah, be so, Gary, yeah. Yeah, okay. Gary, uh, the, uh, Gary of the White Eyebrows. Oh, yeah. Um, they linger on his ass for quite a bit. They do. Uh, but it doesn't have the width and presence of Wilfred Brimley's well, appearance no. of his ass at 2345. <laughs> <laughs> that lasts for a full three seconds. Oh, it, that's the thing, is that the, cam- the dolly moves at the same speed on both sides of the group. But it does take up to four seconds to pan across Wilfred Brimley's ass. It's majestic. I mean, it's just majestic. It is. I wish Ansel Adams had photographed Wilfred Brimley's ass. But only when it's wearing pants. I don't, I don't yeah, want to I mean, see Nobody pantsless. wants to see that. No. I want a large at- format silver Wilfred- gelatin print of Ansel Adams's <laughs> coffee table book of Wilfred Brimley's ass in various pants. And that's – well, aside from that, but <laughs> – that all of them looking at this is just it's just amazing to me. And we already talked about this. We already talked about them going around and the dolly shots and everything. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, four, one thousand. That's four seconds of Brimley's butt. <laughs> and right before that, Gary d- tries to outact everyone by acting like he's going to vomit. Um, but I'm sorry, you just you're not using your dirty laundry as a sense memory of the way Brimley is. And you know, that, that it's funny, that moment, every time I see it, um, it reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you guys are Simpsons fans. Oh yeah. But, um, huge. The uh, red asphalt thing that, uh, <laughs> that Homer has to watch when he goes to the, uh, um, drunk driving class and they, they pan across oh, yes. everybody and the yes. guy's like throwing up and, and Homer just thinks it's hilarious. That's exactly what this always reminds me of. I have a hard time separating the two. I love, uh, the guy that stops on one guy who's, whose cheeks fill up with vomit right. and then he swallows it again. It's great <laughs> for a cartoon show. That is pretty out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Gary reminds me of that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so about the creature and now we're seeing it close up mm-hmm. when we're Senior seeing it, double face. <laughs> when we're seeing it close up, like with watching it really maybe slow and stopping it. I think that's when you get into some kind of cracks and how magnificent it is, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. It has to be lit right to even be mildly Yeah, and I think panning over it fast and partially obscured, I think, does a lot for it. And so when we were stopping it and starting it, like, you know, the blood looks really thin and syrupy and, like, you know, you can see how it's like a piece of art rather than – like maybe something that was once a living thing. And that's not to say it's bad. It's just it, to me, it pulls back from the body horror of it. If I'm doing a close examination of it. Yeah. When you say piece of art, would you like to have it in our living room? No, that can be arranged. 
No, it can go in Do the bathroom. Do you know where it is now? It can go in the bathroom. Uh, the oh, actual okay. prop? Yeah. No, I was talking about that with somebody else that um, I I would imagine that most of the stuff got thrown away just purely for the fact that it's so covered in special effects goop and stuff. I imagine right. a lot of this stuff rotted away, unfortunately. Because, um, yeah. yeah, you don't really hear about these being, you know, being in some museum or, or in anybody's, like, private collection or anything like that. So that's that's kind of what I assume has happened, but I haven't really done a ton of research into it. It could be, like, Hoggle. It could be in a lost crate somewhere. That's true. Do you know about Hoggle? I don't. Hoggle from Labyrinth. Um, oh, is in, oh. He's in an unclaimed uh, f- unclaimed baggage uh, warehouse in uh, somewhere in east, Alabama, east of Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, we went to go visit him. He's just on display, <laughs> but apparently he was being shipped somewhere, and no one ever picked him up. And when something big like that it happens to that, they just ship him to this big place where you can go buy stuff that never got picked up at airports, like yeah. this whole section of iPads and military uniforms and everything. And then every once in a while, they'll have like you know a, a, a Viking maidenhead from a ship, <laughs> like, and, they, and then, they they have a little museum there for just weird stuff that they can't wow. sell. And they had they had a guitar. I think it was one of Paul McCartney's guitars. Was that? I don't remember that. It was someone incredibly famous, um, famous as guitar, and I can't remember who it was now. But yeah, so we went and saw Hoggle. They found him. They've got all these pictures. They've got him on display. They have all these pictures of him. How they found him. And they restored him. They went a little, little tiny. They went a little bit heavy on the silver eyeliner. I mean, yeah. to be honest, Which I don't think he had any silver eyeliner in the movie. But they decided yeah. that that was going to be yeah. his look for the display case. But I mean, it's still really cool to see him. And so I wonder about how many of those these props that you know were made of foam or right. had makeup on them, special effects you know, materials on them. Or somebody had plans for them to be on display at some point, And then when the movie tanked, they forgot about them. So now they're yeah. in a crate in their Raiders, the Raiders of yeah. the Lost Ark warehouse. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm going to hide this podcast when I'm finished. If none of us make it, at least there'll be some kind of record. We have no way of reaching the listeners to tell them to support the show by using the donate button at thethingminute.com while we're stuck here in this storm. If only they knew. There's nothing else I can do. Just wait. Harper, out. Back to your point about it not looking great up uh, up close. I think that's one of the cool things about this scene that actually that works so well is before you really see, I mean, you're seeing bits and pieces of it. And mm-hmm. again, it's very obscured and there's all this steam and everything around it. Um, but you're mostly paying attention to the, their reactions to it oh, first, yeah. Yeah. which um, mm. that's one of the things I always uh, like to note about or things that kind of, um, I guess, always stuck with me about a movie like um, Poltergeist, where mm-hmm. to me, the stuff that's actually happening is not that scary, but it's everybody's reactions and how mm-hmm. just like... Definitely totally out of their minds terrified they are about it that really sells it and makes it really scary um and and that's totally what this scene does it's before you get that close-up of the face for the first time in the next minute um you see everybody else's reactions to what they're seeing and that that really you know before you even get a chance to see it that puts you in that mindset that this is something that's like completely alien and and horrifying it really sells it before you even see it Yeah, yeah it's it's um it's a very I would say it's a very coy reveal. Yeah. And I think it, it plays, that's and definitely a strength. Coy? No, I mean, it's coy. It's like you see a leg, you see an arm, you see, a you gam? know. Well, <laughs> I don't think it has a gam. I think gams are usually nice looking legs. Do you want to look up its skirt? It doesn't have a skirt, Liam. 
Not anymore. No, it burned off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but I think it's just as a coy reveal. And I I completely agree with you about that. Um, But yeah, this is a great storytelling thing to do to get uh, a bunch of a sense of how other people react to a thing before showing you a thing. Like in Silence of the Lambs, they talk about Hannibal Lecter for 15 minutes before you see him. Right. Um, that you, you know, there's close ups of this sculpture kind of peppered throughout a couple scenes. But uh, if you put a gun to my head, I don't think I could describe what the full form is. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think I could draw the whole thing. Like, you, you know, I, I still don't exactly know what the full shape is. Yeah, that's true. They keep it very vague. Like you get a good idea of what the face looks like, but the body really is just kind of this mass of writhing, you know, arms and legs that are that are just stretched out just long enough that they don't look right. Like they look very wrong. <laughs> um, right. And yeah, you don't really get a sense of the whole kind of anatomy of it, I guess, which is definitely adds to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. I teased in the last minute about about uh, knowing about the smoke effect. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I I, tr- I thought I could find out a little bit more, but I did find out a few uh, an interesting thing about it. Um, it's called AB smoke. Um, mm, it's something they yeah. used a lot in older movies. Um, it's and it's it's called AB smoke because there's two parts that you mix together uh, that make the make the smoke. And um, it sounds like they've since found out that it's like extremely dangerous <laughs> and toxic, and people should not <laughs> be around it or breathing it. And um, yet Brimley still walks among us. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I mean, he does. All these, uh, well, most of these guys still do. But um, I did find somewhere, uh, I couldn't find a, a uh, you know, I can't, I can't substantiate this, but I did read somewhere <laughs> that there are rumors that um, they used a lot of this on the uh, set of Alien. And that, uh, oh, sure, yeah. And that after that, the uh, the studio actually had to pay for like lung treatments for a bunch of people <gasps> oh, on, the, on the cast and crew because they breathed so much of it. Oh, uh, that's horrible. Yeah. So, yeah, and I heard that set was impossible to get out of. That they, you know, they built a oh, bunch of corridors. Yeah, yeah of, the, of the inside of the Nostromo in, in, uh, in Pinewood, um, they built a bunch of corridors so that you could film kind of in any direction. But once you got onto the set, it was impossible to get back out of. So once oh, I'm man. sure once they filled that with smoke, that was hideous. Jeez. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> awful. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of things in in this movie going going through it minute by minute that uh, I've never thought about before that I'm noticing and being like, wow, that's incredibly dangerous. I cannot believe they got away with that. And you know, making this movie now, they would never have gotten like like the actors like actively wielding literal flamethrowers, flamethrowers, yeah, putting out yeah. real fires and stuff like that's ins- and throwing dynamite, like all that stuff is like totally insane. So this, I oh, guess, I'm sure you'll get to when Kurt Russell throws the dynamite right. and you see. It knock him off his feet, right? And like, they they kept that in the movie. That's amazing, right? And, well, I, mean, I mean, made great performances. But you know, yeah. looking yeah. at it compared to this, the smoke or compared to that, the smoke doesn't seem so bad. Right. I mean, this is just a few years after you've got The Exorcist, where Linda Blair actually broke her back during Did some she? of the during some of that. the bed lifting sequences. Really? Oh my god! And she was yeah. I heard her speak one time, and she was talking about how. I think it was the second or third take. She actually broke her back wow. and the producer came up to her and one of the producers came up to her and said, now we can take you to the hospital right now, but once you heal, we'll have to do this again <laughs> or we can get the shot. Wow, that poor girl. And she, yeah. And she like was like, okay, let's do it. Like, Oh God. So, I mean, 
you know, kind Sometimes of tradition. Rules are good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I, I would guess I don't remember exactly what year the um, the Twilight Zone movie came out, but I would oh, guess yeah. that was really the turning point because they uh, um, had. I think at least two, it was definitely one, but it might've been two um, uh, really tragic, awful deaths on the set. Um, right. Well, it was the actor and, the, and well, at least one of the kids that he was holding. Yeah. What happened? I don't think I know that. The, they were shooting a, a, this Vietnam flashback sequence, but it was indoors and they had a helicopter. Oh God. And it was, it was on wires, but it went off and it went down and killed um, the actor. I don't remember his name, but he was holding two, like Vietnamese children that he has, they were running away from helicopters. I think it killed one of them. Um, but yeah, that was, that was definitely the beginning of a lot of, uh, a lot of union rules about what you can do on the set. But I I remember in the commentary, Kurt Russell talking about the flamethrower in the dog kennel, um, that they had built that set just very tight and claustrophobic. And then he said, if you, if, if, uh, what's his name? Keith David had turned, you know, 10 degrees in either direction. He would have had that thing pointed right at someone's face. It's yeah, just it's, incredible that they could, you know, you could do that back then. It's kind of amazing. Amazing that they all made it out of this alive. <laughs> yeah. So I'm also curious about, because like in Alien, they used like sheep guts and mm-hmm. the the yeah. pods. And we have this amazing. Nottingham lace, I believe. Yeah. It. We, well, sheep guts. Um, <laughs> in um, America, we call it sheep guts. God damn it. I didn't, I didn't say that. I just said sheep guts. Yeah. So. Do you know anything about like like maybe odd materials or biological materials they might have used in in this guy? I think in um in in some of the later autopsy scenes that uh I've read about them like running across the street to like a slaughterhouse to get stuff to uh to mm-hmm. use. But I don't I don't know that any of this is actually, you know, kind of real viscera or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it may yeah. all just be, you know, affect goop and stuff. What did he say? I think he said he used uh, the stuff in Twinkies to make it goopy, uh, carbapol. Yeah, yeah. Or KY jelly with just some red food coloring in it. Yeah, somebody somebody on one of the special features talks about how there's uh, they they walked into Rob Bottin's, um studio and were amazed that anybody could have that much. That, yeah. that uh, Vaseline came in that big of a <laughs> container. Yeah. <laughs> so just barrels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I'm sure they had to you know lube this thing up every every uh, every take to make sure it was extra because it's like actively dripping every time oh, that, yeah. like, you get yeah. a close up of it, which is super yeah. gross looking. Yeah, you ever want to hear a great uh, pig guts on the set of a movie story? Uh, watch the uh, the making of Day of the Dead. Oh my God! Yeah, mm. the uh, the the scene where they tear um, uh, what's his name the the army. Guy, the, the, the choke the on it army guy. guy. Yeah, I don't remember the choke name. on it guy. Yeah, um, when they tear him in half on the floor, those are all real pig guts. But they had bought them like a few days uh, beforehand and stored them in a fridge. Uh, and then the power went out, and the uh, fridge did not keep them cold at all. And they so they just sealed them up inside the fake body. And they said, when this tears open, you're going to smell pig guts that are many days old. But just deal it. with it. Uh, and you can see in that take all the even the zombies are like oh my god <laughs> which rest in peace George. yeah, yeah we should mention that we just found out last night uh, i don't know when this is going to 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 plop but um yes george romero is gone yeah very sad, very sad. he was uh, a, a big influence in my love of horror movies um creep show is a way way up on my list of of uh, not only you know my favorite movies but movies that were very inter- influential in my love of, of horror movies yeah. um 
but uh, I got to meet him once at Dragon Con. And, um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was great. Um, it was one of the few times that he like sat for a Q&A for a really long time. And uh, some idiot dressed as uh, Link from Legend of Zelda got in front of me and got the last question, but I eventually <laughs> did get to meet him. <laughs> that is, that's an only a Dragon Con kind of thing, right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and he didn't even ask. It's, they never ask anything important. It's yeah. like somebody dresses an elf in front of you. What's your favorite movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel about the zombies? Where did you come up with the idea? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what should I do to be you? <laughs> it's like, come on. Um, but one last thing about gross things yeah. on set. Um, you guys have all seen Tommy, right? Tommy uh, musical. Long time musical. ago. The who? No, no, I don't the think who. I have. The musical. Um, so there's a sequence where Anne Margaret. I don't know how to describe it other than baked beans and chocolate shoot out of a TV set. <laughs> Not at the same time. Um, I believe it's baked beans and then she rolls around in that. And then the next, you know, it's next is chocolate and then next is soap suds and legend has is, it. Is that a plot or is this just yeah, kind of a, a free for all? It's a rock opera okay. about Tommy who can't see or hear, but he's a pinball wizard. And therefore baked beans and chocolate. <laughs> Look, he, she's his mom. If I remember correctly, it's been a long time. That does no help in explaining why there's baked beans shooting out of television. It was this. It was the late sixties, early seventies. I got you. That's that's the explanation. No, I, I got you. Yeah. So legend has it that, sh- at, like, the baked beans happened first, and then that was one day of shooting, and then the chocolate was like a day or two after, and they kept the baked beans on the set, and so the chocolate was on top of the old baked beans. Yeah. And then a couple days later was the actual soap and bubbles. So she, by the end, she was writhing around in old beans, chocolate, and then soap sides. So <laughs> sounds like fun. Yeah, it's real, real, real nice. So <laughs> dinner tomorrow? Ugh. Really training up to be on a be on a Nickelodeon game show. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> or grumpy old man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Walter Matthau and Jack Lemon really, you know. He was basically a pile of old baked beans. No. <laughs> Not Walter Matthau. <laughs> I was going to say they maybe exuded exuded different viscosity, viscous fluids. I don't even want to know what you mean by that. <laughs> no, Walter Matthau is wonderful. Do not talk about him in bad terms. Baked beans. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd take, as, as bad as that sounds, I think I'd take the baked beans and chocolate over the uh, the uh, spoiled. The pink guts. Yeah, because I think yeah. I, they've yeah. had the same, I, I think I've heard about the same sort of thing happening with um, the last scene in Videodrome when the TV explodes uh, and all the guts fly out. Right. That yeah. They, yeah. It took them so long to rig it up and they were so behind on schedule <sighs> and everything that they were all spoiled at the time. So it's just kind of a, it's a, it's a horror rite of passage, I think, for every special effects. So yeah, and of course, the, the dinner scene from Texas Chainsaw Massacre where oh they had God. real head cheese right. and oh bits of pig around over a, I would think it was a 40 something hour shoot for that oh, scene yeah, over the over the, over the course of a day and night and a day with you know film lights that were just absolutely spoiling everything on that dinner table <sighs> yeah. put that under a heat lamp yeah i think Gross. the lesson here people who are listening if you're going to be a horror actor put in your contract that they have to use fresh viscera mm. Or, or just go ahead and cut out every part of you that can smell anything. <laughs> or just like Train expose your yourself to it all. The t- yeah, exactly. So that said so that you're ready for it so that it's no big deal. Like Wilford Brimley did. <laughs> yes, write Wilford Brimley and ask, ask him, him to send you train the some master. of his spoiled laundry. From the set of the thing, because he probably still has it in a bag. Sure. Cataloged in his pantry. 
He'd probably like cut up a, a lamb or something and send it to you post haste <laughs> if you asked nicely. <laughs> so is he like the prototype for Ron Swanson in our imaginings? <laughs> I think sure. So. Yeah, okay. I can see that. I read about a, uh, a Norwegian, um, just to tie it back into the thing, it's got to be Norwegian, mm -hmm. but it, um, a, a, a black metal band where the singer had ah. a dead a dead sparrow in a plastic bag that he would huff before he went on stage because he wanted the stink of death. Oh, wow. I haven't heard that. Yeah. I, th I thought you were talking about uh, uh, Mayhem, the guy that like... Ate his eight killed and ate his uh, bandmate's brain because he wanted to prove he was more evil than the other guy. Is oh, that fantastic. a real, is that a real thing? It. Yeah, that is. Oh my god! Yeah, it's band mayhem. And then then the guy, I believe he's still in prison, and he's a a very successful uh, musician from prison as well oh, under a different name. Oh god! One of the most successful incarcerated cannibalistic. Yeah. Uh, oh. yeah, I mean he's pretty close to the top of that list, I think. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, I did. I did want to note actually in this minute one other quick thing that um, I like that everybody, all the characters in this minute are looking at the uh, at the corpse mostly and and just mm -hmm. kind of trying to figure it out. But McCready is the only one who's looking at everybody else uh, when we go oh, to yeah. him, which is one I of those. Um, too. The movie initially was was kind of built to be more of an ensemble cast. There wasn't really like a main protagonist, and so they they cut they they built some scenes that uh, kind of early on that established McCready as more like the main character. And I think this is one of those, I don't know if this is one of those parts that they actually did that with, but I think it, that little silent moment does kind of establish that he's kind of, uh, you know, different from the pack that he's, he's already one step ahead trying to figure out what's going on while these guys are all still kind of just freaking out. He does have a very focused look on his face. Yeah. Like the dog. That's true. Ooh who he finds out the dog is the one watching him mm -hmm. in the next cut. Yeah. Uh, as he's looking around the table, he's, I wrote that he's kind of looking around for a sympathetic eye. Um, everyone is very involved in their own, you know, how awful this smells, but he, um, you know, like when something bad happens in public, like, you know, see, you see somebody getting in a fight in a bar or something, and you kind of scan the room for somebody else who knows this This is fucked up. Yeah. He's, he's kind of doing that. Like, is anybody else doing how fucked up this is? And the only eye he catches is the dog. Yeah, that is. Which true. I think is fantastic. Yeah. So that's the definitely that comes up in the next minute. It's another very interesting moment with the dog where you kind of get a, a sense that there's something else behind those behind those uh, piercing blue dog eyes uh <laughs> yeah um, do you guys have any, anything else to um to cover for this minute before we go to the next one i think i'm good yeah i think that's it cool so i think we'll we'll wrap up uh minute 24 for now but uh make sure you to check out moviesbyminutes.com listeners for a whole collection of other podcasts like this one i guarantee in the span of me reading that sentence out loud a new movies by minute podcast has been born like <laughs> <laughs> Every day there's a new one that, that comes out. So it, uh, if The Thing is not your favorite movie, then check that uh, moviesbyminutes.com and your favorite movie probably has a, uh, a podcast just like this one. So check is that out. Is there one for Mannequin 2? Uh, not yet. There sure, certainly can be. All right, there will be now. You've never <laughs> even seen that movie. <laughs> You've heard it here. Here first. Uh, it's claimed. <laughs> it's it. It's off the market. 
So, uh, yeah, so definitely check those out. Support those other guys. There's a whole host of other podcasters um, that, that did this before I did. So definitely uh, support them as well. Uh, but uh, aside from that, just make sure you come back on iTunes and uh, come back tomorrow for another episode of The Thing Minute. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to thethingminute.com. There you'll find the show notes with links to anything we talked about on this episode and lots of other resources on The Thing. You can also find us on Twitter at The Thing Minute and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Thing Minute. But most importantly, subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Check out other podcasts like this at moviesbyminutes.com and be sure to head over to starwarsminute.com to listen to the team that started it all. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Harper signing out.